Fox needs the Batman. Netflix needs an extra pound. Spotify needs to not have a silent album on its service. And we all need the original Star Wars films. But the airwaves is optional. Monday evening at 7.30 and it's time to record The Airwaves, the podcast that takes you by the hand and guides you through the week's interesting, funny and mildly confusing TV, streaming, movie and media news. With me this week to chew, mull, chat and Johnny will hammer it over this week. Yeah, it's all about the lists. Alex G. Fox, how are you doing, sir? Well, I was thinking of the streets of London. Let me take you by the hand and lead you through the streets of the media news. Yeah. Well, that would be one way to look at it. It would be, but then there's the real way to look at it. Hmm. So do you want your weather report now? Or indeed, like, indeed. Let's have a it's, look. Uh, it's actually quite a lovely evening. Thank it you. is lovely, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, all I can see is my uh, my cabin at the end of the garden, surrounded by beautiful green trees and shrubs and things. It looks really idyllic out there. Hmm. Hmm. It is lovely. And uh, what else do you want to know? I'm all right as well, actually. I'm, I'm doing very well. Excellent. Excellent stuff. That was a convoluted mess. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the editing will bring it down, if I can be bothered to edit. Last but not least, Tony Blunt. How the heck are you, sir? <laughs> oh, you have to ask, yeah. yeah. Um, Coming through loud and clear. A few, despite a few technical issues, yeah, fine. <laughs> you, come, you come to us via your tablet. Yeah. Yeah, good old trusty Nexus, yeah. No, I thought you meant Another Panadol. <laughs> It comes to us via Panadol. No, 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 that'll be after the show. I'll need ah, yeah. right, yeah. but a bit of the old Pro Plus to get you through the working evening. Mm, yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh dear. Speaking of Pro Plus, let's move on to the box. Austria wins Eurovision Song Contest. Austrian drag act Conchita. Is it worst or versed? She is the worst one there. Versed, right? Has been well, did you come first yeah, in the list? I can get out of the way quickly, nice. Yeah. Uh, crowd the winner of the, fifth, of the 59th annual Eurovision Song Contest held in Denmark's capital, Copenhagen. The singer, whose real name is Tom Neuwirth, uh, won the song with Rise Like a Phoenix, collecting 290 points. The Netherlands finished second with 238 points. With oh, that Sweden was a close shave. In th- yeah, in third place with 280 <laughs> Deary me. The UK, the UK's Molly Smitten Downs came 17th with 40 points for her song Children of the Universe. Yeah, I know why the French didn't win. Well, they had a song called I Wish I Could Grow a Moustache. Ah, well, there you go. Yeah, proof in the pudding, as all they say. <laughs> the proof in the pudding is of the not shaving before the show. It's the winning. Yes, indeed, indeed. So, I promised myself I wouldn't make up rubbish jokes. Right. <laughs> So, and I hadn't prepared any of these. These are off-the-cuff rubbish had jokes. Had you not? Right, not well, let us know when the pre-prepared stuff starts. Yeah. So who watched it? Tone, did you did you, uh, did you partake? Um, no, it's it's a thing I haven't really watched since you had Wogan on there because he made it entertaining you know, with his sort of slowly getting more drunk through the show and you know, sort of just being sarcastic a lot. <laughs> That's what it, it did. It had a comedy value to it, you know. <laughs> 
I yeah, slowly well, got you, you should prevent it next year. I slowly got drunk and um, got more sarcastic. Well, you know I watched it because I misread one of your tweets. Yeah. I yeah, thought you I, said, I can you let me know when the English... Yeah. I thought you said, let me know when the English girl is singing. So I did. And he laughed at me and said, I asked something about Father Ted. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, that bottle of Carver is very good. You wanted to know when they started singing My Lovely Horse, didn't you, Tone? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Oh, I just heard I liked this, something about singing. I was like so bleary-eyed at that point. Yeah. yeah. But, but I, mean, I mean, also, I did notice this year's UK entry, she came from like BBC Introducing, you know, she'd come up through sort of more credible you know, musical... Yeah, that stood her in good stead, didn't it? It did. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? This, isn't, this is, hasn't been for a while about the actual music, has it? No, but some of the funny... That's bits. part of what Wogan was, you know, in his last few years, that's part of what he was getting more sarcastic about. Yeah, yeah. But the, the funniest bits was when anyone voted for Russia. Yeah. It was like, oh, my God, look behind you. Boo, boo. I mean, fair enough. You don't have your political points, but oh, there's some poor girl sitting on a seesaw singing. Don't give them a hard time. You know the one I really felt sorry for when the, the girl from Russia had to give them their vote, and you could hardly hear her. And obviously, she's trying to talk on international telly, and all you can hear is Boo! and I felt really sorry for her. It's like I'm sure it wasn't her uh, fault. Her five minutes of fame ruined. Exactly. And she didn't even play up to it. Some of them, my word, they, this is it. This is, uh, that's, it's like something out of the 1980s, you know, let's let see if we can become popular all over Europe. And they do some really weird joke, nearly as bad as mine. And, um, and yeah, it's some, some of it's cringeworthy, but you know what? I was sitting there watching it with my wife, and we were saying, God, the staging's actually quite good. Well, I like that background. I like the way they've done that. Oh, that's, not, you know, it was, and we were trying to work out who would least want to win it financially. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, mm, yeah, okay. And, um, yeah, because it was in some ex-naval yard somewhere, wasn't it? Oh, cool. Yeah. In Denmark. Yeah, because that's why it was such a huge, sort of, it was quite a huge arena, wasn't it, for it? Yeah, I think it was an old hangar or something. I think yeah. Well, their boats that just sort of swept out the water from the ground or something. But yeah, I mean, it was interesting. But the really interesting point, dun, 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 is this thing that's on the BBC News at the moment. And it says Eurovision voting figures. A juries, no, it doesn't. It's show. A, a show juries and public clash. Um, and it's really interesting because I knew there was a percentage of jury and a percentage of, um, you know, people phoning in. But it seems to me that the phoning in or whatever it does that costs you money is a complete and utter waste of time. For instance, the UK phone vote gave Poland's Donatan and Cleo top marks, um, but the jury thought they were the worst act on the night. And so that ended up with Poland ending up with nil points. Now, as a musical song, it really didn't live up to much. As a slightly... Salacious. It was a touch risque. Yeah, but there was a comedy value. There was an entertainment value to it, and it, it made me laugh, and there was lots of jokes going on, and, you know, it was... But, you know, if the public say, we want this to go top votes, and 
you know, so-called jury says, no, 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 we don't want any, it gets nothing. And it was like, hold on a minute. You know, we always bang on, oh, you know, isn't it terrible that the voting seems to be rigged? Well, yeah, we're rigging it, you know? I mean, uh, I've got to be honest, and, you know, I'm going against the flow here, but um, I was, like, reading various things on Twitter as going on, and people going, oh, yeah, give it to Austria, whatever. It was an appallingly abysmal song. People were voting because they didn't quite understand it was a bloke in drag. I don't know what they really thought. It was some, you know, really... Um, pained the spirit of a person and yeah maybe he does you know he wants to cross dress or he wants to become a woman and that's completely fine and that's his own business but the song was rubbish and this is supposed to be if we're not gonna you know play the political rules it's meant to be the eurovision song contest not the i feel sorry for me because i haven't got quite enough hormone tablets contest well that's also the thing it for a while it hasn't even even if you take aside the political voting element it's more about a show than the actual quality of the song if you, you know the performance you know is where is the key isn't it well why bother with quality songs when you can have a marvelous spectacle that you know spared yeah. no expense so, simon cowell's been working on this for years yes indeed. i don't see it in, but i'd still rather watch eurovision than why any bo- of his <laughs> yes. why bother with quality when you could have glitz and glamour and explosions yeah. and Put, put some shine on that. Yeah, it's- no, but the point is, you're right. I mean, as a contest, it's, it's a po- completely pointless entity. But as a Saturday night once a year, all getting together, drinking too much and having a laugh, it's perfectly fine. Exactly. Absolutely perfectly fine. It's the royal variety of performance we're never going to get. You know, it's that sort of thing. And I've no objection to it. And anyone who's got a problem with it, well, that's fine. But... I don't know what they watch. People, different things make different people laugh, and some of the songs were really quite nice. Some of them were completely awful, but <laughs> you know, it should be a spectacle. It should be fun. I mean, the fact that we ridicule it quite as much as we do is probably slightly unfair on the few countries that don't quite realise what it's they're actually there for. But you know, I mean, you, that's my point. I mean, the the Irish voted the Polish girls top as well. And it's basically saying that it's completely irrelevant. I mean, you know, you look at that and you go, oh, look at those political points and you go, you know, well, those lot vote for each other. Yes, they do, because it seems like the jury is the one that does the voting. So if everyone in Ukraine voted one way and they all voted for, I can't think, Morocco, they're not in Europe. Well, it doesn't seem to matter either, actually, but say Malta, um, they're still good. Their vote's still going to go where the politically minded jury wanted to go. So in that respect, it is pointless. What would make it less pointless is if the people of Europe had a really good laugh all together on one night, had a really good giggle, enjoyed the Polish girls and the man or woman with a beard or whatever you want to call him or her, whatever way you want to call it. It's a drag act. It's a man, yeah. But that's yeah. perfectly okay as long as the... X amount, a million of people that pay their money to, money to vote, their votes choose the winner. And that's the only bit I object to. I object to the fact that if the most people in this country wanted the Polish girls to win, irrelevant of whether it was right or wrong that they won, that's who we should have voted for. But to say the, the public vote, the highest pers- 
country on our public vote didn't get any points from us, there's something so fundamentally wrong with it, it's pointless. And so, you know, joking aside, that actually annoyed me because why would you bother voting? Yeah, that was what hit me is with all of this, it seems like, oh, well, the, the public the public get their vote. That's all very well and good. But let's leave it to the professionals to see who, who gets to win here. I mean, is, is this is this the case in all the other countries that have the phone vote and then a jury as well, or is it? Well, look, if we were the same with England yeah. and Ireland, I dare say it's um, yeah, it's yeah. a similar thing. But you know, I mean, I, that, that that's where it bothers me. It's like, what is yeah. the point? Yeah. It should be the European people in Europe having a really good giggle and a night out. Look, it would be nice to think that I don't know how many countries take part in total. I think thirty-four or something. I say I don't know, then I come up with an exact figure. It might be 37. It was only to do with the voting, I noticed the figure. It would be nice to think the 37 countries all around Europe are all watching the same thing, all having a nice time, having a drink, having a, a family evening together. And that's a nice thought. doesn't matter if, if, I mean, if you've got a sporting event, there's a lot more vicious vitriol. I mean, when you're watching something here, even if you want the British singer to win, you'll enjoy what the others did. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not a contest in that right. And to take away that part of it by for no I'm not even gonna you know couch my words by rigging the votes, it's a pointless exercise and it, it does annoy me. And I think that has come across in my not shutting up about a really unimportant story. Yeah. yeah. I mean I mean, you know, back to the point about you know, all the people getting together, they they really harnessed that the last time I properly watched it was when um the German girl one with with the song, and in the middle of it, in a break between the songs, I think it was between songs and the voting, they actually had like uh, you know cameras in all the countries, and they were doing some sort of world record, you know, for the number of people dancing, you know, <laughs> sort of. You know, so they had that interactive, you know, sort of community element there. You know, well, I, mean, I don't remember another that. part of what it's all about. Yeah, I think he's talking about Nina in about nineteen eighty, wasn't he? <laughs> 99 red balloons floating in the sun <laughs> sky. A little, little more recent than that, but yeah, same country. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think of you and I let it go. God, I'm an age, aren't I? I'm oh, dear. Well, moving swiftly on. Moving swiftly on, Fox orders Batman prequel Gotham to series. Uh, Fox has officially given a series order to Gotham, the WBTV produced drama about a young James Gordon, the police officer whom Batman fans know as an eventual ally to the caped crusader. Ben McKenzie plays Gordon in the series, which previously had a series commitment at the network. The cast also includes Donald Logue, Jada Pinnicott-Smith, David Mazouz, it's a very Lord, long list. I'd leave it. Robin Lord Taylor, Cameron, blah, 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 blah. Sean Pertwee, Sean Pertwee, yeah. eh? I think you missed the partridge in the pear tree somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of people, anyway. So, so yeah. Gotham is uh, one of what will be a slew of serious pickups, renewals, and cancellations announcements to come in the next few days as the broadcast nets prepare for next week's upfront presentations in New York. So, this God, is. Ask a, me what I think. This is a pretty. <laughs> I was going to start with Tone, then we can get your witty retort at the end, Alex. So, Tone, this is a uh, this is a series which is, I mean, it's it's a prequel to the Batman story, isn't it? Yeah, and it does seem to be rather than sort of focusing on the Nolan films, it seems to be the 
more back to the Burton films because if you, if you watch the trailer, it's got you know, it's got all the captions come up with little clips. He's got before Penguin, yeah, you know, before Catwoman, you know, people that never appeared in these. Well, okay, Catwoman did appear in the last one, but that didn't really have a major role in the in the Nolan films. So it does sound like it's more you know sort of the the Gotham we saw in Tim Burton's vision of it. Yeah, I like the Tim the Tim Burton um, Batman exactly. Films. Yeah, they, they they have a certain they have a certain look and feel to them. But uh, I mean, it's it, it's it seems to have a decent a decent cast in place, and uh, yeah, I, I, I certainly seeing Sean Pertwee in something will be interesting. Yeah, I mean, like I say, the trailer you know, looked interesting, even if some of the some of the shots where you see you know Gordon with the young Bruce Wayne, it is almost the same shots you see in uh, Batman Begins. But, but I think Batman Begins covered that story well enough for that trilogy. Whereas this, I, like I say, I would like to see it. It looks like it's harking back more to the Tim Burton vision of Batman. Yeah. I think that's where Batman belongs, really. It, yeah. <laughs> it belongs in a slightly more comic booky type. Uh, yeah, much as I like the Nolan films, yeah, I have to agree. God, those girls did an awful lot of work, didn't they? Pop group in the 80s, and now they're making Batman movies. That is the same Nolan's, isn't it? Yeah. Uh? No. Oh, okay. No, it's not. No. <laughs> no. I didn't know there was more than one. So, Alex, I mean, we, you're you you are Mister Comic Book. You, I mean, you, we can see piles of them behind you, as the yeah. the listeners can't see the video. New Batman series. Well, new Batman prequel series about uh, about James Gordon. What do we think? I'm I'm going to shock you here. Yeah, yeah. I have watched. I think probably every Batman movie. Really? Yeah. I mean, it was a really boring night, but oh. I know I I watched. What did I watch? I think I watched the first one in the cinema. Was that? Um, well, I'm really bad with names. It was a guy with the curly hair, uh, the one that played the first film. Come on, you can help me out, Michael. Someone, Michael Keaton. Michael oh, Keaton. Go. I've got half his name, Diane Keaton's father. Um, <laughs> anyway, stop laughing. Now, anyway, I watched that, and then I watched some of the subsequent ones I even watched that Val Kilner one and I watched one I think it's the one you mentioned quite recently and that was like a a reboot as you like to call it and I actually quite enjoyed that and I quite I like the darkness of it because of Batman alright forget about the things that we had I had when I was a kid and you saw historically once you were a bit older um, with um, you know the TV series and that's what, yeah and that's what sort of popped up here in my head but Batman if you know, if you want to take a superhero, the Batman superhero idea, the darkness of it, and the you know, he's it, to me, Batman doesn't fight crime because he's a superhero. Batman fights crime because he hates the world, and I sort of understand that as a better story. He's got he's got a bit more human depth to it, you know. I mean, in my, and he's not, you know, he hasn't got special powers. He hasn't got any of these. He's a guy who's got bucket loads of money that spends some of his bucket loads of money make, getting people to make some really clever things for him so he can just go and hurt people. So if you took him out of a bat costume and just made him a masked vengeance type person, you'd have gone, yeah, that's not a comic book anymore, is it? It's a serious indictment on society where it's gone wrong in some metropolis is it Metropolis or is that Superman? Somewhere. That's, Gotham that's City. Superman, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that, that's sort of, that's where I come to it, from that sort of, and it's dirty, it's it's nasty, it's sexy, it's got, it's it's not 
a superhero in the genre of superheroes. In and the that's traditional sort of, sense. Yeah. And that's sort of why I get it. But like I say, it doesn't need a guy in a suit. The bat part is purely because he comes out at night. You know? He doesn't need that. He, you know, and I just... I, I get it more. And I get the sort of the Spider-Man-y type thing as well more. You know, it's... I mean, I, I know... One of the ones I saw recently was um, the the kid that was in um, that uh, Facebook film. I can't remember oh, his name. Oh yeah, um, Toby McGuire. I made that up. No, that's yeah. not Toby McGuire. No, that's someone else. Um, he's the anyway, one who you know used the kid, to play. Who used to play Spider Man? Um, yeah. Now I saw that, and again, it was a it was a human being disguising themselves as a superhero just so he could get out there and basically do stuff. And I can get that. The thing is with this, what the, they're taking a character uh, and they're going back to a point before it's almost um, Batman's almost like a 1920s uh, Bugsy Malone for grown-ups type thing. You know, it's that, you know, it's, you know, it's that type of, air, uh, you know, movie. It's that type of era. But to go back to a point before Batman ever existed. This is just going to be yet another, you know, speakeasy type, cop type, blah, blah. And there's going to be, probably you'll have some young villains that have turned up later in Batman. Yeah. He'll, he'll be fighting against them as a copper as opposed to as a superhero. Now, we know he can't win because if he did win, they wouldn't have been there to Batman to fight. And the only point is you've got, you've got this world where all this city that's so depraved that you end up with remembering one of the Batman films, you end up with a man and woman, rich people leaving the theater and being shot down in the street in front of their son. So, I mean, that's all it is. It's going to be a dark, nasty 1920s esque, slightly creepier cop show. I mean, that, that was one of my sort of slight fears about it. It could turn into a police procedural type thing. I don't think it'll be procedural because they're going to they're yeah. put that uncomfortable twist to it, which yeah, you get yeah. with almost, um, what's that? Oh, I can't remember the thing that um, Carl really likes when they're all um, judges, Judge Dredd. It's going to be that sort of slightly mm. odd uncomfortableness about it. If they make it dark enough, it could probably stand up on its own. Mm. because I think, you know, you, you've got to forget the Batman bit. What you're trying to do is you're trying to portray the world where Batman would have been created or the need for Batman would have been created. So this guy is going to do his best, but ultimately be a failure because if he wasn't, Batman wouldn't have existed or needed to. So in that respect, I see it working. See, you couldn't believe that one I knew anything about Batman or two would have an actual cogent point to make. <laughs> Always come through in the end. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Andrew Garfield plays the new, uh, the new, the new Spider Man. By the way, in the, is that the one that the played new... the old? Because I know there's a, he was doing the second one. Is that the same guy? Or yeah, he's uh, Andrew Garfield. Is the guy from the Social Network? Very, very, very good actor. Yes, yeah, he is very good in English as well. A uh, half English, half English. I think. Well, that's, I think that's, the way, half. that's the way they're going with these superheroes. I mean, Superman, the new Superman. You know, he's English, isn't he? You know. It seems to be the way they're going, where it used to be English portrayed the villains. Yeah, but only yeah. by nationality, though. Yeah. And, and now they're going to, oh, we're going to be the heroes for a change. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right, let's get into the stream. 
Netflix comes through with price hike after struggles with Comcast. Ooh, a p- price hike! Dun, dun, the, dun. The, price, the price increase applies only to new subscribers. Existing subscribers will be grandfathered in at their old $7.99 rate for two years, at which point they will be bumped to $8.99. The increases <laughs> elsewhere are £1 in the UK, that's us, to six ninety nine, and a euro in Europe, that's them over there, to €8.99. Netflix has also been testing a standard definition-only plan which would cater to users who watch primarily on old TVs and monitors or mobile devices or who operate under bandwidth caps from ISPs and must be careful about data usage. Now, I got an email from um, from Netflix last week saying the Netflix price is going up, but you don't have to worry yeah, because you're only going to have to pay six ninety nine for the next two years. I was thinking, oh, huh. all right. You know what's funny? I, I, I got the same thing yeah. and I read it and I thought about it and I thought, Probably what what's becoming my number one resource for entertainment lately, and you want to charge me an extra twelve pounds a year, and I'm supposed to get worried about that? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just put it into a yearly figure, and I went, "Why are you bothering to tell me? I I I have to pay about four times more than that because of one of my bank accounts. I won't not let them send me um, a letter." And it costs me about four quid a month or something, right? So, I'm, I'm, I'm you know what? I'm, I'm quite. It's nice of you're not going to charge me for two years. I'm, I'm really grateful. But for, I mean, there will be people out there that are making a fuss. And to be honest, they don't deserve entertainment if you're making a fuss over an extra one pound. You know what you get, and, and yeah, for what you get for an extra twenty. Well, it's not even twenty five pence a week. It, it's a, a ridiculous. It's, it's a, what's it? Three pence a day. And you, unless you're that guy that tried to ninja the whole of I can't remember what it was. Was it House of Cards? House of I can't Cards. remember. Yeah, and he tried to do that all on a freebie. Do <laughs> you remember? He tried to watch everything. Oh, it was more on House of Cards. He tried to watch twelve or fourteen hours a day of Netflix. He wanted to see how many, much net free Netflix he could do on a on his trial. Do you remember that back in when Netflix first started? Yeah, he probably spent far more on pizzas while he sat there and didn't move off his couch for 30 days. Probably. But, probably. But yeah. put, putting Netflix up by a pound, it doesn't... I mean, even if it was two or three pounds, I'm not sure it's going to... Yeah. It seems like the price to me. When it first came out, I've got to be honest, when it first came out, I thought, how good can this be at that price? I honestly did. I thought, you lot were all on it a long time before <laughs> me because I thought... You know what? I'm paying 100 quid for one system. How much is 5.99 going to be? You know, is it even worth the bother? And then I, I got it and thought, oh, that's good. And then that's good. And then I thought, why am I paying all that other? And the, and, the, and the thing is, it's getting better. You know, it, the range of what they've got is getting better. The, the actual service they're providing is improving. I mean, there is a point where you think, oh, they should probably be, you know bumping it up more but they're you know the only thing they can do is add a tier of newer movies but charge a premium for those movies and I personally am not interested because I have a tier of that on all the other stuff I pay for never watch them yeah I mean if you you look at I keep keep seeing adverts for this you know now TV you know where they're talking about oh we've got all these box sets and things like that but you know that's charging like three times as much as this 
as Netflix. But really. you know what? I mean, I, I will go back. I mean, look, we all know my, you know, pre- predilection for older films. But a good film's a good film, whether it's ten years old or one year old. Exactly. You know, if it's fifty year old or one year old, it doesn't make any difference. A good film is a good film. A good TV series is a good TV series. I don't, I don't see this isn't. This is for everything you ever watched before and enjoyed. And this is for everything you ever missed because you can't possibly watch everything. And the amount of things uh, you've recommended to me or someone said, you know, did you see this film? It was out in 1980 something. And I began, no, didn't even hear of it. And I go and watch it and I think, wow, that was a brilliant night's entertainment. And, um, you know, that cost me three pence or whatever. No, it didn't cost me three pence because that would be the extra money. It cost me whatever, nothing. Without Netflix, you never would have seen the shipping news, Alex. Quiet. And I wouldn't have watched uh, Fire, whatever it was called. Was that one? Farscape. Yeah. No, I was going to make fun of the one you watched that I've never seen. But oh, Firefly, Firefly was it called? No, I mean I would have never seen Farscape, and there's loads of stuff I would have never seen. Fire's War. It was just a ton and ton of ton of stuff that you don't catch first time around. Jonathan Creek. I've watched a whole series of so many things. And you know what Netflix has done? And it's not, it's also, it's caught my wife now. My wife has been caught by the Netflix bug. She, a couple of weeks ago, she said, what's that Breaking Bad about? I've heard everyone talking about it. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. You've never seen Breaking Bad? No, and I've no interest, right? But, um, say it was about three weeks ago, my wife came into me the other day and goes, well, I finished it. It's brilliant. And I went, you what? You finished Breaking Bad? She went, yeah. <laughs> wow. Good I, like, I thought I hadn't seen you much for like, like <laughs> So that's five five seasons of sort of what thirteen episodes. Like, was it any yeah. good? And she's going, yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah, there's going to be like when you know a come down, you know, you know, withdrawal symptoms. But it gets you, it gets you big time because all you have to do is find one series that you like, one series or something you've never seen before, whether it be a film series or a TV series. I mean, even if like I'd never, I'd watch about three episodes of The Next Generation. And I've still got about three series left. And I watch it regularly. And then you've got all these other Star Trek things that you all talk about, I don't know. I mean, you could just watch Netflix and not have anything else and be royally entertained completely and utterly. Oh, yeah. No, very much so. And you know what? You're going to be entertained even more because Orange is the New Black has been renewed for a third season before the second one started. This... (laughs) Story from I, the I, I'm, I'm having deja vu here with you know what happened with House of Cards and uh, yeah no they they re- they renewed that for a second series even even before the even before the the first one had uh, had come out hadn't it it's a funny thing with that though isn't it now, with House of Cards I was always itching to watch it when I watched um, Orange is New no Orange is New that first time round I really enjoyed it but I'm almost slightly reticent for the next series. Because of, I can't spoil it, but what made the first series so, kept you on tenterhooks the whole time, it was a time-related thing. And I'm sort of, oh, I wish it was one series and it was done. You know, because of what, you know, I'm, I, I'm being careful. But I'm not 100% looking forward to it. And now, because it's a third series, we now know the main part of the first series can't even have anything to do with the second series because if there's going to be a third series, that can't be part of the issue. I haven't even finished the first series yet. 
Because okay. I, just, I tell you what, it, it, it's funny, Orange is the New Black, because I started watching, I was thinking, oh, yeah, this is good. This is good. Um, is there anything else on? Uh, this is kind of running out of steam for me. I need to find So you kind of wanted a break from it. Yeah, yeah. I, ended up, I ended up taking a break, and I never went back. I don't understand why. I do need to get back to it. What you'll end up doing is uh, just bef- just when you want, when this new series comes out, second series on 6th of June, you'll probably start watching it then, you know, pick it back up then from where you left off. I might do. I might do. And then I can follow it through to series, series two. And then I'll stop halfway through that as well. The funny thing is you say um, um, House of Cards. When that came back, the first series was spectacular. No two ways about it. There were storylines left, right, and centre. And yeah, I can't believe Carl never finished it. Because like, how can you not want to know how they ended? I was rationing the first series. I had to ration the second series even more. I just ended up ninjuring it in almost yeah. half a weekend. But the first series, there was like characters flying left, right, and centre, and it was like, oh, wow, this is just crazy brilliant the second series it was a different pace but it was all about him in the second series whereas the first series was him and so much other stuff going on around him but um yeah they were spectacular but this one here it's i don't i don't know where a prison drama can keep going when you're only talking about prison you know there is no there's no hope or whatever in this I mean I just find it interesting prison based comedy drama and you know what when I first started watching it after about the first hour or first episode I was thinking I don't know it might be a form of black comedy I'm not sure but there weren't any laughs after that I'm not sure part part, part, what part of it's comedy and not in the arrested development way I mean I'm you know, not just rubbish. I'm, saying I'm not quite sure what part of it was meant to be funny. I, I had a problem spotting some of the comedy in the first couple of episodes, but there, there were there was you know sniggery moments and uh, yeah. But in life, there's jolly moments. You know, in all life, whether you're in prison or not. And does that construe a comedy? Are, are soap operas now comedy serial dramas? Because occasionally something fun, funny happens. Uh, I think opera. I think it, it is sort of you know mislabeling it almost to to put the comedy before the drama in the well the fact is if you went there to watch a comedy you'd be really quite depressed by the oh, end yeah. I mean it's not exactly porridge is it I mean even the comedy that is there it's sort of a very dark comedy isn't it well okay well uh, I mean I'll, I'll give it I'll give it a go when it comes back but I'm not sure I'm ready to be depressed no, no, you've been doing quite well recently. <laughs> no, I'm doing very well, thank you very much. Medication's working fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, let's get into the music. Talk about music, talk about music. Yeah, <laughs> Spotify puts Sleepify album to bed. Sites violation in terms of service. This story from digitaltrends.com. It's a very tricky thing for artists to make money in the music industry these days. <laughs> Try to cash in on the extremely low profit genre of streaming services such as Spotify, which pay artists a pittance for every song streamed, is even more difficult. But Wolfpeck a band hailing from Michigan uh, came up with an ingenious way to use Spotify to fund its latest tour by convincing fans to constantly stream a completely silent album called Sleepify. And although Spotify recently pulled the album, 
the plan totally worked. In a hipster-esque call to arms that's rife with understated humour, Wolfpack's band leader Jack Stratton described the clever ploy to fans via a video blog preceding Sleepify's March release. Uh, in order to put on a free tour, Stratton asked fans to queue up the band's 10-song silent album every night before bed at f- 0.05 cents per play he proposed the band could make four dollars per night from every fan as their devices whisper through the tracks of dead air <laughs> and as a clever incentive to participate Wolfpack's forthcoming tour is set to be centered around cities in which fans played the album the most yeah but they're not going to play anything it's just going to sit there silently for yeah maybe now. they can make even more even more money but the, the, this thing made around twenty thousand dollars before it was pulled yeah, but, but will, will they actually get that if Spotify are now claiming Ooh, yeah. a violation of terms? Violation of terms of service. So, it would have been quite easier to go to all their hipster mates and said, one less cappuccino a day and we'll have 20 grand in a week. Yeah. Oh, why didn't they do? Why didn't they uh, do a Kickstarter or a uh, you know a GoFundMe or something? Or if they were any good, why wouldn't people pay for a concert? Well, Did I just swear? Sorry. Yeah. It, it strikes me more as more as a something to get them press, to be honest, rather than you know, not about necessarily the money or Spotify, but it's getting them into you know it's getting them just talked about, isn't it? Well, it's we're talking about them. No, it's <laughs> funny because you know when you say give them the press. I had to look back to see what the name of the band was before I commented. I was thinking, that's not working very well, is no, it? No, it's not. Can't even spell wolf properly. Indeed. Well, it sounds a bit German, doesn't it? I thought they were German when I first heard them. But do we do we really think that this is a a, a good way to, to raise money for a uh, for a tour? I mean, would Kickstarter not be a better place to go rather than trying to dupe Spotify out of money? Yes, I think that. <laughs> I think uh, Tone's hit the nail on the head. They've got more than 20 grand's worth of uh, publicity by trying to annoy Spotify. Mm. And they should have tried to annoy Apple, then they'd have made far more than 20 grand. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, look, we, we were talking about them, but, um, you know, our millions of listeners, I'm telling you, don't bother with Wolfpack. Just get a pair of ear, you know, those little in-ear earbuds that you wear if you're a drummer, and you could hear their album wherever you go there. Yeah, but, um, it's like royalties for that airplay must be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Instead of instead of going on to Spotify and listening to this silly Sleepify album, get onto YouTube, go and watch some ASMR videos. That'll that, that'll that'll tune you out. I wonder how many uh, Wolfpack silent albums you could get on an iPod. <laughs> well, the MP3s must be tiny because there's nothing going on in those songs. Yeah. But you're you're always going to get some. Yeah, how, how they, the they want it on flak. <laughs> they want a higher quality files, they yeah. want a higher quality silence you need to get the sleepify album in flak I'll what, pay 50 grand it? for these speakers I want to hear nothing in perfect silence I don't want any hits in the background what, what got me about this is I don't Spotify vet what goes up then apparently because not <laughs> you know if anything you know, it's like oh yeah they're pulling it down they're getting it talked about and you're, then you're thinking well how did a silent album even get on there in the first place? <laughs> Interestingly, it does open up an avenue that, I mean, I'm not aware that Spotify have, is doing, you know the way iTunes do iTunes gigs? Doing Spotify concerts, let Spotify put on a concert, because if they do, the amount of publicity Spotify could give you just by giving you the front page of when you log into Spotify is immense. 
So if Spotify said, okay, we're, we're doing this week's chosen band album, he's, it won't be fourth peg because I think they've burned their bridges. But say it was someone else. But Spotify, not just give them the front page because it's a new and upcoming, do a whole, yeah, no, we're doing a Spotify tour. We're doing a Spotify gig. We're doing a, you know, much like MTV did. MTV weren't just the hosts. They didn't, they didn't just play music. Yeah, they became put- putting on the music. There was MTV uncut. There was MTV this, that, and the others. I mean, such an avenue Spotify doesn't... Really? Know, someone's going to say they do this all the time, but I just don't know about it. But it's an avenue that I'm surprised I haven't heard more about. I mean, even, even like the music radio stations, you know, like Radio One Capital, all that they put on the lounge. One of my favourite things. Exactly. That's only because it sounds like it's got a really lazy couch and I can go to sleep. But <laughs> the lazy but, couch, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, go on, be witty. <laughs> <laughs> you expect? No, I'm not the wit guy. No, um, right. Yeah. But now I think I've finished all what I was saying. Well, I think uh, let them let them let them add the money and don't let it happen again, Spotify, or or else somebody will come and have you. Let's get into the movies. Could Disney finally give us the remastered, unedited Star Wars we want? This is a uh, this is a a rather large piece from ArsTechnica.com. Go and have a go and read it over there. I think it's still one of the uh, top stories on the homepage. Disney is doing all kinds of things with the Star Wars universe now that it has purchased the franchise away from George Lucas. In addition to the three sequel films, there will be at least three spin-off movies, which will likely be origin stories for some of the supporting cast of Star Wars characters. The House of Mouse is pouring a tremendous amount of time and money into Star Wars, and Disney could be the new arbiter of the holy grail of Star Wars requests, a remastered release of the unedited, non-special edition original trilogy. Adulterated, pure versions of this of the original Star Wars films are difficult to come by, except for one sad low-resolution release on DVD in 2006. Uh, the films have only been available in their modified special edition forms since 1997, when George Lucas re-released the films to theaters with a series of changes. I remember when uh, I remember when those films were re-released. They were they were quite impressive to see, you know, all the remastered stuff. But I think the only copies of Star Wars that I've got that are actually the originals are the old bought VHS tapes that I got in yeah, the early I was going to say they're probably on, on video, aren't they? Because well, yeah, I, I know loads of people have got the video back in, in way back. I when. have an unopened trilogy set of videos and they're remaining unopened. Is it in widescreen or is it pan and scan 4x3? <sighs> I've got a feeling there's a widescreen label on the back, but you've got to look through the cellophane. But yeah, I mean, they. I bought those on some special offer. It was, you know, the DVD was out. But it was a because I had them originally, and I had them just as individual movies. And I saw that, and I bought it, and I just don't know why I didn't open it. And then the longer I didn't open it, I was thinking, oh, well, this has become a thing of not, never opening it. And so I never will open them. And the fact that they're on video that means they're worthless. If they were unopened DVDs, they'd probably worth some money, but they're not worth. I, I- I get a feeling these are the ones that came out just before the remastered version went into cinema. Yeah, they, these are the original ones, which is yeah. why I bought them. It was part of the, you know, I'm, I'm going to be like really clever and buy them before they get adulterated. Yeah. So now that now that uh, the House of Mouse, as uh, as this writer puts it, um, owns the the rights to Star Wars, how much do we think a um, uh, the original version 
is uh, the original versions of the original trilogy are going to be worth how, how much? You know, is is it going to be worth Disney putting these out? Do we think? Yeah, but there's no cost to doing it. They'll, they'll have the they'll have the master of the un remastered, and they'll burn them onto. Knowing them, it'll have to be Blu-ray, but they'll burn them onto something, and uh, it will be we're giving people what they want and they will sell in the truckloads. Exactly. There's enough purists out there. I'd buy them again on DVD. There's enough purists that didn't like what was done with the remastered versions, so they love this. They love this opportunity to have this in a brand new, you know, sort of modern format. The trouble with remastered of any, on of everything, on anything, is it's an afterthought, isn't it? You can't be in that moment of creativity if you come back to it five years later and recreate it. You might have another idea five years later and think, well, that would be really cool, well, that would be really good. But it's not that moment when you originally put it together and it's not that story and it's not that look and it's not all that thing. You can say, oh, well, we didn't have that facility back then and if we did, we would have used it. Well, historically, it's now out of context. They are two separate entities and the original has, all right, I can't, I won't say more value because that's just pretentious, but it has as much value as anything else. And for that reason, the original should be made available for downloading to purchase from iTunes type things or DVD or Blu-ray, and that's what should be done with it. It's, and it, it's an oversight. Yeah, if, if they don't, it is Disney passing up an opportunity to make truckloads of money, which I'm sure they won't do. You know, it's, it's a director thing, isn't it? It's the George Lucas yeah. saying, no, 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 this, I've, I've moved it away from it. This is what I want now. But you know what? If you create something, you give it to the world, it's not yours anymore. Yeah. You know, you've taken the dollar... For giving it to the world, you sold it, and that's how it works. You know, you can't give something to somebody one day and say, "Oh, it's like giving the, you, you kid a present and you, you buy him." I don't know. You buy him a Sky Electric, and it's the most wonderful thing in the world, and he loves it and all the rest of it. And then two years later, a better one comes out, so you give him a new one. But you take away the original, you take away the thing he most loved, or you buy him a new teddy bear that he's had a teddy bear for 10 years and he's been loving that teddy bear so you buy him a new one but you take away the old one the old one has got value not because it's new and better because it's the thing that you relate to it's that film you first saw when you were first amazed it's not that film you first saw and first made with brass knobs on you don't want the brass knobs you want that moment and that's what they don't own they don't own the right to take away that moment which is what they try to do you get, you get enough films and things like that come out now where, you know, on the disc, whatever, you'll have the original version and then you'll have a director's cut, you know, that was put together later. But in case of something like this, if he's going to try and give you something different, do what Jerry Anderson did with Captain Scarlet and completely remake it. Yeah, yeah. You know. It's it's funny because if you look at some of the other you know, some of the other big eighties remakes that they're the 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 not eight not remakes sorry that's completely the wrong word the the remasters you know the digital remasters or or slight recuts the director's cuts you look at stuff like uh, Blade Runner you know the director's cut of that and then the uh, the final cut version of Blade Runner they're both brilliant they're improvements on on the original if Are you they? look at um, if you look at Alien as well. The, the are they improvements? I would, I would, I especially would, with, I would say they are. I like, I like my happy ending. I hate the happy ending, and I think it's terrible. But I now don't have the option. Ah, because if I go and buy Blade Runner, the last time I bought Blade Runner, I thought I was buying the original, and I ended up buying the 
director's cut now, again. See, if you buy, so I have now two copies of the director's cut, both of which I thought was the original. If you buy the final cut, you get about five different yeah, versions. Of course. So of it's it. going to cost me seven hundred and fifty quid. So one of them has got to be right. <laughs> yeah. And they wonder why people turn to piracy. Eh? Indeed. No, but, I mean, I mean, but go back to the original book. Yes, it wasn't a happy ending. But I'm happy with my happy ending. I want to remember it. I want to remember that film where I took the girl I was with at that time to the cinema and enjoyed the film. And I want to think about it. When I saw the director's cut and I didn't realise the director's cut, when it got to the end, I was like, oh my, let me know. That date wouldn't have gone quite so well if it was that version. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> would, have, would have gone a bit dark, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I want my memory. I don't want their adultered version <laughs> And, you know, adulterated version of my memory. Thank you very much. You don't, you don't really want the last line of your of your hot date to be, it's too bad she won't live. But then again, who does? <laughs> <laughs> kind of wouldn't work out for you. But, you know, the, the remastered version of Alien uh, and Aliens, actually, I mean, they, they, put, they put an entire new set of... Um, well, it, there, was a, there was a whole sequence from Aliens that was cut. And in the director's um, cut, they put it back in. And it, it's and interesting when you think about it, though. Why was it cut in the first place? Because the film flowed. They thought the attention span was what it was, and the film worked better in that. And then they go, hold on, there must be $3 we haven't made on this planet yet. You know what? You know that rubbish we cut off and threw on the floor? I don't know, sweep it up and stick it back in again, and we'll tell them it's a special. Well, that's, you know, that's you buy, you're buying into this, Russ. Yeah, if it was cut I in the guess. first place, it was probably cut because it was, wasn't needed. I, I mean, thought, I'm, I'm looking here at my Alien, Alien Quadrilogy box set, and it does say you know, it's like the theatrical versions and the extended you know, director's cut. Theatrical version always makes me think that some yeah. bloke's going to come out in drag. <laughs> I, I keep expecting ice creams halfway through. Yeah, yeah, someone to <laughs> so someone to stand up in front of you and go to the loo halfway through. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or nowadays, I suppose it'll be somebody with their phone on. Oh, dear. <laughs> right. On to our final section of the evening. What have we been watching, reading, playing, or listening to? Alex G. Fox, we will start with you, sir. Okay, right. Now, as I announced sadly last week, Falls War appears to be coming off of Netflix. I know, I'm a bit miffed. And they don't have the last series on Netflix. They only have up to Series 7, and there has been a Series 8. So I've been starting it again, and then... I was starting it again anyway, and then I realised they were taking off, so I got a bit depressed. And then I was thinking, I haven't even seen the last three yet, and I did something I never do. I went on to iTunes and just bought the series. Ooh. I don't even care if I keep them, because at some point I'm going to buy the whole lot, right? But not, not for download. It will be on DVD. Anyway, so I bought them, and they're wonderful. I didn't know where Foyle's War was going to go after the war. But very, very cleverly... The um, there was a character that kept popping up who was deep in the British government during the war. This lady kept popping up and he kept finding all these secret things and she kept giving him little bits of access to things to solve a murder that he shouldn't really know about. But, you know, if you turn a blind eye to what you're not meant to see, then we'll let you catch the naughty guy because he's doing something with the government and all this business. So, after the war ends, he goes off to America, does his bit, hangs around, has a good time, comes back, gets picked up by a boat, from the boat, as he lands, by MI5, and he's made an offer he can't refuse. So, you've got Foyle doing Foyle stuff within MI5. 
and it's tremendous. It really is. Really glad. Uh, some American company picked it up. Uh, I can't remember who it was. And they are in, well, they're just about to start recording Series 9. So, uh, I mean, it's obviously it's going to be British made. It's British this, it's British that. The stories are still going to stay the same. But, you know, an American company picked it up because whoever made it for ITV had lost interest. I'm sure ITV will get it, but it's been picked up by some other company. But there is a Series 9 coming, Series 8 on iTunes, Series 1 to 7 on Netflix, but only for the remainder of this month. But I will be buying them all, but I just, at the time, thought, you know what, am I, do I want to lay out the best part of 100 quid when all I want to do right now is just watch the last three episodes but when you think about it i was like looking oh 25 odd episodes for 100 quid that's a lot then i realized there are 25 films for 100 quid i was thinking you know what that's that's quite good value doesn't it (laughs) and you look at this right the season pass thing on itunes is 4.99 and you get three episodes but you know we're talking about sherlock length episodes and you think actually that's three films for 4.99 most people would think that was good value anyway so i've been watching that um, this channel that I, I don't know why someone in my house keeps watching yesterday channel, right? Which is fine. Not a problem. So I came, occasionally I turn on the TV and it's still on yesterday. And that's like, I think I was peeling some potatoes in the kitchen and it was on yesterday. It wasn't on yesterday. It, no, anyway. So, uh, it had wonders of the universe. Um, I completely forgot his name. Ryan Cox. That'll be the one. See? I've got his uh, app on the iPad. It's very good. Very good. So anyway, I was watching that. It's a bit, you know what? It's a bit depressing, actually. You know what we're all doomed, and we're all going to die, and then time's going to stop. And, you know, okay, fair enough. I mean, it'll probably be long after I'm gone, but still, thanks. Let's have a nice day. Anyway, it's very nice. I've got to admit, I, I do like Brian Cox. I like his delivery. I like his slightly childish enjoyment of things. And you think, you know what? If I was on telly, I'd want to be as silly as him. But not in a, yeah, but not in a silly pratting away manner. He's trying to be grown up, but he can't quite manage it. And I find that quite endearing. But the point I'm mentioning this for is I watched it, missed a bit. And I typed it in earlier on today to sort of say, oh, what's the, you know, wonders of the universe? You know, when's it going to be on uh, whatever it's called? Yesterday. And apparently it's on Friday, uh, Sunday. And it's like a whole day of wonders of the universe, which is fine. And then I thought, Hey, what's this? Yesterday has a, a free online um, service, uh, whatever you call it, on-demand service. It hasn't got every program they have, but it's got a free online um, service. And I was thinking, okay, how many other channels? And other than one, two, three, four, and 5, which obviously have to have because of their license and it's free and most of this is owned by the BBC but they don't actually have to do an on-demand service but yesterday have an on-demand free service it's um it doesn't have a www but look to it it's yesterday.uktv.co.uk forward slash on person demand and I was like really surprised but really really pleased because I had a look and went oh I like that I might watch that (laughs) <laughs> and it's like a whole new avenue now. What the hell are you doing, Tone? Yeah. What are you doing, Tone? <laughs> You're taking the cover off your phone whilst using it or something. Um, anyway, I'm really, really impressed to find out that they've got a free on-demand. It's not everything they do, but it's a heck of a good load of 
decent programming. So just say there's a lot of series they do because it is mainly sort of documentaries, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean yeah. to find out that they've got on demand really was like, wow, there's an extra bonus I wasn't expecting. So that's going to go in my um, bookmark lists for on-demand TV channels. I'll, I'll be checking that out, actually, because uh, I've, I've kind of come through, um, I've been flicking through uh, the channels occasionally when I sit down in front of the television and think, oh, what's on? No, oh, nothing's on, apart from this thing that's just finished on yesterday, which I probably would have been interested to see. <laughs> it's always the thing, isn't it? You get the last yeah. two minutes. And it's, uh, that's, that's the thing with this. A lot of it is um, sort of former BBC4 content, as well, you know, former BBC documentaries, Stuff that's maybe been on, you know, maybe Channel Four as well when they had stuff like Time Team. Yeah. I think I think that's on there. You know, so the time, all... time Team, the entire content of Time Team is on Four OD. Yeah, and there's about 144 episodes or something, including something. the one where they tried to dig up Woodhenge and it disintegrated. <laughs> yeah, yes. it's all there it's and all the specials. But but we 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 get off topic here. Okay, so what else are we watching? Um, one day I was very 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 drunk, and I was sitting there watching the telly because, quite frankly, upstairs seemed a very long way away. And I, I I think I put on BBC One. I don't know. It was a channel. It was a BBC channel, and they were playing. I think it was. I got them in the wrong order, but it was the Rolling Stones at the BBC. And it was just like loads and loads of Rolling Stones music, all obviously live recorded at the BBC. Um, years ago, and I don't know why, because I don't even particularly like the Beatles, I bought an album called The Be- Beatles. Sorry. Yeah, The Beatles at the BBC. And I think that's another thing that's still in the cellophane. But I would buy a Rolling Stones at the BBC, but I haven't found one. But there is on the iPlayer. It was about an hour long, I think, and it was really good. And there was little snippets of interview. And like, you know, Rolling Stones on the old grey whistle test and things like that. And I was like, that is so cool. Wasn't this part of a whole evening sort of it around that? It certainly was. Yeah. And when that finished, or might have been the other way around, because my memory is slightly carved, if that's the right sense, um, something that Mr. Russell might be interested in. It was a documentary, an hour-long documentary called When Rock Goes Acoustic. And it really actually was. They were talking about, you know, when obviously you, know, you had your electric guitars when they were started and they were basically copying the blues. And then you got Skiffle, which I still can't quite work out where that came from. But where's me washboard? Had a lot to do with it. Didn't um, oh, Derek Guiler play the washboard? Anyway. I thought it was a joke when I was growing up, but apparently it was a bona fide musical instrument at the time. Washboard. Yes, it was a washboard. <laughs> you don't know your history of your rock music. I don't know called... my history of my washboard. I never managed no. to get one in tune. <laughs> skiffle. Skiffle me this. Anyway, so, um, and then they were saying, okay, so they did all the rock stuff, and then they were talking about when you had these bands, that, you know, they, they just wanted to go back to playing some music. And there was like these moments when Led Zeppelin did uh, Zeppelin 3. And then when Nirvana did the um, unplugged version. And, you know, and it proved a point. It proved a point that, yes. What happened then? You had people playing albums that were formerly, you know, metal and electric albums and playing them um, acoustically. And when Nirvana did it, it turned into a different album, but equally as unbelievably great. 
And then people started feeling that they could use acoustic instruments and not just sound like a, a folk band. I think the Manic Street Preachers did it as well. I did quite, I'm doing quite well for memory, seeing as the state I was in when I watched this. And, um, and I haven't mentioned Alfred Hitchcock or Tony Hancock once yet. And, um, or even Tony Hitchcock. Yeah, anyway, it was a really, really interesting... Yes, exactly. It was a really, really interesting programme. And um, I, I watched some of it sober, again, on the iPlayer, and it was still interesting then, so I can give it a full thumbs up. So, um, yeah, I do recommend both of those. They're both on the iPlayer. Uh, I imagine they're still there for a little while. So if you do hear this before they disappear, go. Uh, especially when rock goes acoustic, actually. I mean, the Rolling Stones thing was cool, but, you know, you might not be into the Stones. But if you're into music at all, like uh, Mr. Russell over there, you might want to watch when rock goes acoustic. I rest my case, me lord. Uh, thank you very much. I, uh, I will... I will seek that out actually, because uh, the iPlayer is up to—it's up to thirty days now for. Um, for sometimes old, I don't quite content. get that. Yeah, some sometimes some of it is, some of it isn't. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Uh, know. No, I know yeah, some of it is. Are. It seems really weird at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah there's, not, there's not a consistency between what is there. You know, it's like what's there for seven days, what's there for thirty, what's there for longer. But yeah. you know, what's funny, right? and this is just an addend- amendment to everything we said. Yeah, addendum. In the days before we had catch-up TV, I would have sort of looked at the TV guide or I'd say watch the Rolling Stones one because I think the rock one was afterwards and go, oh, I like that. And I would have pushed the video in and press record. Yeah. Right? And I'd have known that I would have a copy of this, albeit a bit fuzzy probably, because the tape <laughs> would have probably been the same tape I'd recorded over 700 times. If you'd accidentally but, recorded it on SP instead of LP, so oh, you exactly. got to the end of the video before you'd... <laughs> but the point is... We completely and utterly, I like watch something, or I don't even bother checking now. If it's on sort of BBC or something, go, oh, I haven't got time, I'll watch it later. And very, very occasionally, depending what it is, some things for licensing reasons don't get put on the iPlayer. There's a couple of things in the last sort of few months I've gone, all right, I'll watch that, and it comes up, and you go down that list, don't you? And you look through the old guide, and it normally says iPlayer, iPlayer, not available. And it's always the thing that I'm, oh, I don't believe it. So anyway, what I'm saying is, in the old days, I would have definitely recorded when what goes acoustic and not just hoped it turned up on the iPlayer. player. But um, there you go. It's the kind of thing you record and keep for a bit, that one. Yeah, well, you can't do that on the iPlayer. You can only keep it for a month. No, no, quite. Tone, what is on your list, sir? Um, well, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is probably first up. Uh, that continues going very well. Sort of off the back of Captain America too, I think. How is that coming? Because I still haven't, I I haven't touched it. Yeah, it's like I say, it's really picked up. I mean, I even had a message from Carl the other day. You know, he was saying these last few episodes were really brilliant. You know, it's like it, it's gone from zero to hundred in his words. You know, um, you know, and I think it has been really boosted by Captain America two and the, and the tie-ins with that. Yeah, because the, yeah. the plot of what they're showing on Channel Four at the moment, it's sort of still the aftermath of that, which is, that's what I was hoping for the series when it started, and it was sort of just after the Avengers movie. Right, right. You know, sort of, you know, showing more, more of the aftermath that they probably couldn't fit into a film, but they've got more time to expand on with the series. You know, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going nice. You know, it's, it's picking up twists and turns all over the place, so, you know. Keep keeps you on your toes if you if you're watching, um, but it probably is 
necessary to have seen the films as well. I'd say that, that uh, and in in some ways that's a good thing, in some ways that's a bad thing, because <laughs> there are points where you just think, you know, I don't have time to watch all these tied in sort of linked things. You know. um, but yeah, because um, there was a point before, you know, sort of the season break they had, where each episode would, yeah, it was a tie into a film, but it would work as a standalone as well. You know, it, 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 you know, it, it helped to have seen the film, but it wasn't strictly necessary. But yeah, um, um, I've also been watching a bit of sort of stand up on on Netflix. Um, Doug Stanhope's No Refunds, which is sort of a couple of years old, one of his DVDs now, and Lewis C.K. Live at the Beacon. Um, you'd probably enjoy these if you enjoyed the sort of Bill Hicks type comedy. There's a lot of that sort of, you know, certainly not for you know, younger audience, you know, a lot of political points in there, controversial. Um, I mean, with the Doug Stanhope one, he sort of makes a, makes an act of, oh, I'm only funny when I'm drunk, so he's, he's there drinking on the stage constantly. <laughs> so it's he's only slightly, funny when I'm drunk as well. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe a sort of slightly old, you know, like I say, it keep reminding me of Bill Hicks, but it's sort of that, you know, it is sort of a more old school style of comedy, I suppose. Yeah, one that's not afraid to be offensive and controversial. <laughs> but it certainly is in, in parts, you know, depending on depending on your views, really. Um, I, I watched as much as I could of the World Snooker Final last weekend as well. That was all over the BBC. I did very good coverage. Um, and it was also on the iPlayer, so I managed to sneak, that, sneak a bit on my phone here and there. That was um, O'Sullivan's match to lose, that really, wasn't it? Yeah, and I was surprised he did. I mean, I, I went in there thinking, oh, this, this will be an early finish on the Monday. And do you know what? I've never been so glad to be wrong. Because, <laughs> I mean, all the way through the Sunday, I was thinking, right, he's a fighter. He's he's doing well here. He, he, you know, because I thought, oh, you know, he will take this into the last sort of you know, Monday night. It might not be a midnight finish, but it will be... Sort of quite late, and then, and then while I was at work, he, he won it. <laughs> I, I did watch that back on iPlayer. Some fantastic, you know, to to beat someone who's been so sort of dominant for the last however long. Yeah, it's really entertaining. Um, and the last thing on my list is uh, there's been a new trailer out for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, uh, which is the next you know Planet of the Apes, a follow up to Rise. Um, and it, I mean, from the setting, it looks like the, the sort of small group of apes that we saw at the end of the sort of first film. They've found their own area to live. You know, they just they've just set up a community. They're trying to be isolated, living in peace, and then humans turn up and ruin it. <laughs> As we, um, but that, that seems to be the, that's always been the gist of the the films that followed up. Anyway, even even the originals where they followed up, it was you know sort of. Oh, we've got battle for the planet. You know, that was always the point. It was humans intruding, you know, and and sort of. But yeah, it looks really good. You know, I enjoy. I did enjoy Rise, and this looks like it's going to be an even better follow up. Fantastic! Right, well, <clears throat> onto my little list, and it is a little because there's only three. I'm in fact, I'm I'm actually lucky that there are three things in this list. <laughs> um, one of the things on my list is when Corden met Barlow. Now. It, this is 
<laughs> this is uh, was it a tax program? No, it wasn't. It wasn't actually. No, it was uh, James Corden um, meeting up with um, Ken Barlow. With G- <laughs> <laughs> yes, with Gary Barlow. <laughs> All right, his son. Uh, <laughs> Basically, they they went out on a road trip uh, for this um, for a, a BBC documentary, and it's basically all about Gary Barlow's life, where he started off, all the rubbish that happened after take that, and uh, all the stuff that's happened in between, and and uh, you know stuff about his latest album and things. And it, it's I'd say it's it's funny, it's just a you know nice entertaining piece. And say what you want about tax avoidance or anything like that, it's it's a yeah, it's it's an entertaining yeah. piece. Do, do you think it would have been better aired this week? Than- <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's. I'd say it was a good. Um, it, it was you know good, good, funny, you know, funny piece. And the thing he's is, had, I, he's had a bit of a renaissance, hasn't he, Barlow? He has. He has had a bit of a renaissance. No, I yeah. can't remember his real name. Gary. Yeah, he Gary Barlow. <laughs> yeah, he has. Yeah, he, he used to be the fat one out of take that. Now he's like quite liked and well known yeah yeah it's funny because i never saw any uh, i never saw any of the uh, footage of him when he when he put on all that weight but i was thinking oh my god it's almost as big as me but um but yeah well, you the mr the mr diminishing man mr. himself mr diminishing rapidly losing weight yes um but uh but yeah it's 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 a good watch it's still on the iplayer uh so i might so, watch that so go and watch it it's it's funny it's very funny. Uh, the next thing on my list is Sabrina, the nineteen ninety five uh, version, not the proper one. of the film, starring Harrison Ford, Julia Ormond, and Greg <laughs> Kinnear. It's uh, well, what it says on uh, on Google is uh, Sabrina is a nineteen ninety five romantic comedy drama film adapted by Barbara Benedict and David Raphael. From an originally very good film. It's a, yeah, I tell you what, this oh, is it's good. Not, it's not about Wixen. It's <laughs> funny. It's relaxing, mild comedy that you can watch on a Sunday afternoon. It's not. I mean, I, as I've said over the last it's couple of weeks, the comedy I watched. Yeah, it's, as I've said over the last couple of weeks, I'm not looking for heavy drama or very deep. And you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to watch Downfall every weekend, you know, or or things like that. And it. Um, it's just a fun. It's just a fun film. I've never seen the 1954 version. Yeah, I mean, why um, would you want to watch a film with Humphrey Bogart, Audrey Hepburn, Hepburn, William, William Holden? Holden yeah. You know, why would you want these people that no one's ever heard of? You know, no, why would well, you want to do that? That's the thing. I don't have access to it. I need to find it. I'm sure it's out of copyright by now. I could probably put it on. Um, I could probably send you the DVD. Yeah, oh, actually, I have seen that on something. I haven't watched it. Try uh, Love Film or whatever it's called this week. Yeah, you know Amazon what? Prime just, you know what? Delivery service. I've just flicked it up on IMDb, right? And at the bottom it says, "Watch now, Amazon Instant Prime Video." <laughs> <laughs> oh well, there you go. I'm going to press it, see what happens. I hope we go to the UK. No, we've gone to America, and no, it says, "Watch now, 1954." It's included in my Prime Instant. I better not press it. Excellent. Well, You've got case, absolutely no excuse now. I've even told you where to go. I, I could send no you the link now. if you're that bothered. I have no excuse. Uh, the last thing on my list is the best exotic Marigold Hotel. You can see you can see what the theme is this week. It's just relaxing films 
that you don't need much brain power to appreciate. Uh, it's, this is a 2012 uh, British comedy drama film starring, well, <laughs> it's quite a cast list really, starring uh, yeah, Judy Dench, Tom Wilkinson, Bill Nye, Maggie Smith et al. And uh, there's one, one quite uh, quite a surprising element of this is, is Dev Patel. He's, he's the guy who owns the best exotic Marigold Hotel and he puts in a fantastic performance. It's a thoughtful um, sort of gentle comedy drama and it's, it's definitely worth watching watching it's quite poignant in places and it's got a uh, it's got a fantastic score by um what's his name i, bu- I bought it the other day musician what's a musician what's he it did called it. i need to search where's the search really is unprofessional as me and that takes some doing by thomas newman oh he, him he writes he writes so let's let me see how many thomas newman scores i've got in i've got let's see i've got one two three i've got three of them and that's just that's just because he wrote them. I just buy them straight away. Scored more times than Ray Wayne Rooney. But it's a damn good film. Good soundtrack sure. as well. What was that one? one Carry on, Mister Tony. I was just saying, is it, is it quite a recent one? Or it is. It's 2012. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's how he. Uh, that's how he started it off. He said, uh, "What's this 2012 adaptation of the best exotic Marigold Hotel?" Gave it away a bit. Where did you watch it? Where did I watch it? Not in your bedroom or in the sitting room. I mean, did you watch it? Is it on a stream? Is it a video? Is it DVD? Oh, it's on, um, it's on um, Amazon Sally. Prime. There you go. So you got, it's on Amazon Prime. You're the only one that doesn't put where it's from on your list. All right, then Best Exotic Marigold Hotel was on Amazon Prime. Sabrina was on Netflix. And when um, Corden Met Barlow is on See how are people meant to know this stuff unless you tell them? You going to the flower show this year? Am I going to the flower show? Do you know what? I'm not. Well, I went past it the other day. Looks really? impressive. But it does it. Yeah. I must go again. I must go again. Go past Chelsea Flower Show all the time. Really? I could go any time I wanted. Ugh. Wow. Well, there we go. I can't because <laughs> I don't live in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Right. That well, is, on that note. <laughs> and on that note, that is a show. We have finished. That is, in fact, indeed. Indubitably, indubitably, yes, a show. Tone, where can we find you, sir? Netflix, uh, uh, love film, I play. What one is it? <laughs> yeah, sadly not. Uh, just watching that. Um, yeah, um, on Twitter at tone underscore seven twenty, or probably milling around under G plus community as well for this show. Excellent. Excellent. You've you've reached a new level of insanity, Tone. Today, yep. I watched you watching a day old replay of a Formula One race and still getting angry. <laughs> I was following tweets from like 20 yeah. hours after the race was finished thinking yeah because I didn't watch it live but you, you still have to uh, let go your, your your anger on Twitter even though it's a replay it really made me laugh I nearly wrote to you I nearly I thought oh no like, let him enjoy himself it was so funny watching you get more and more worked up about something that happened the day before <laughs> <laughs> the moment has passed, Tone. Move yes. on. <laughs> we all know, mate. We all know. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, funny. oh, dear. And, yes. Alex, where can we find you, sir? Right, palpitations are over, because I think I've remembered what my Twitter thing is called. Very British View. Excellent. Well, there and we go. That'll be on Twitter, because I've already said that bit. And there's no A at the beginning, which is where I always get it wrong. So, Very British View... And um, I had a um, Paul Wright, Paul Wright, Paul Ums. Never knew where he got the Ums from. 
unless he sort of forgot his name when Paul was, uh, mm. anyway Paul he wrote the other day and we must have mentioned Peabody and Sherman a few a good while back on this this very show and we I gave it a big thumbs up and a really good review and he, and he wrote back and he wrote he must have seen it the weekend and he wrote on Twitter completely agree with you Alex a fantastic movie so there you go. We have, we have we have um, what's the word? We have some feedback from one of our um, recommendations, and it was a positive one. And I must I must give out an apology to. Apparently, everyone that's ever listened to this no, would be a good. No, stuff. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> to Mark Topping, who says we still have not mentioned this one on the show. Maybe next week. This is NBC renewed Hannibal for season three. We will mention this next week i only got your um even though you posted it on the 9th of may i only looked at the uh, at the community when i was putting the doc together because i was actually on holiday this weekend i have seen reference to that on sky channel something or i don't know what it was, it was on. but as an, i've never watched it because of the first hannibal film was a good film it was scary but a good film and the next ones were just too gratuitous for me it was there wasn't the psychological scariness. It was just debauched horribleness, and I've never managed to go to watch it on the TV on the grounds of I don't think I could take once a week that level of horribleness. And I don't know if it's a different type of thing. I tried Dexter. Everyone said Dexter is really great, and I was okay for a little while. And then I started thinking about Dexter, and I thought this isn't entertainment to me. It was it was no, it's wrong. No, there's no, and that's my worry about Hannibal, that I will find it entertaining, but at some point I'll sit there and think, why am I watching this? <laughs> you know, as in actually thinking about what I'm doing and then questioning my own sanity. So that's why I never mention it. I, did, I was aware of it, but I don't watch it. I watch Elementary instead because of that like, you know, little girl's version. <laughs> <laughs> Right, and you can find me on Twitter at SF Drummer. That's all we have for this show. If you want to get in touch, drop us a line at airwavesshow at gmail.com or you can leave us a comment at the-airwaves.com or, as I've, as I've just brought up, you can go all the way over to the community section on Google Plus and do a search for The Airwaves and you will find all of our goings on in there. We will be back next week with a new episode of The Airwaves. But until then, take care. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.